Welcome to MDA Insights, the podcast where we bring you the latest insights into training and development trends for corporates, banks, and financial institutions globally from the experts at MDA Training. I am your host, Paul Hewitt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Oz Hussein. And today we're going to be talking about the importance of developing emotional intelligence as part of an early careers induction. So why should you be listening to MDA Insights? Well, for starters, we're experts in training and development. We've been helping our clients improve their financial and operating performance for over 35 years, providing training interventions that are shaped around client needs and focused on changing behaviors in the workplace. But we're not just about the credentials. We like to have a little bit of fun too. That's why each episode of MDA Insights will bring a fresh perspective on the topical learning and development issues of the day. We will be talking about everything from early career trends to game-based learning, and we'll be doing it in a way that's easy to understand and fun to listen to. So whether you're an HR manager, in L&D, in talent or recruitment, or just somebody who's a curious about the latest trends in training and development, MDA Insights is the podcast for you. Kasia Sivosh, former professional tennis player, investment banker, entrepreneur, venture capitalist, and now a career coach to high achievers in the banking industry. Kasia, hello. Hello, Paul. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely great to have you, Kasia. Before we go any further, just tell our listeners a little bit more about you, what you do, and how you got into your role uh, as a career coach. So... I think it's been sort of a, a long journey, but I started as a professional tennis player. After graduating from UC Berkeley, got, I got into investment banking and continue sort of in financial industry for 10 plus years in various roles. Uh, but then I transitioned into a completely, I guess, new career as career coaching, which was a bit unexpected, but you know, right now I feel this is something that suits me so much and I've developed my skills and all the, I guess, uh, experiences that I've had from being a professional tennis player, investment banker, helped me so much to be able to connect and understand working professionals so much better. So right now I work with mid to senior investment bankers mainly or bankers and I help them with career transition promotion and now more often helping them with the leadership skills as well as emotional intelligence and staying ahead of the game getting out sort of 
out of their own way with this sort of self-limiting and sabotaging beliefs. But as you know, probably financial industry can be a very lonely place, especially the higher up you go. And uh, my clients find it very soothing and helpful to be able to discuss their career and next steps in a safe and healthy space. Thank you. And, and, and Kasia, my guess is, although you say there's very, very different elements in terms of the, the tennis and investment banking, but my guess is there is also quite a deep overlap. The, the inner game, the inner mind that often holds you back or promotes you as both tennis player and as banker. Absolutely. So the reason why I chose that niche is because of my background, particularly in tennis and professional sports where... Well, tennis is individual sport, as you know, and I think banking can be very individual sport as well, where it's difficult to get in. There is quite a bit of resources that teach you how to get there. But once you're in it, it's quite difficult to navigate your career and next steps. And I found it very similar experience when I was a tennis player. Uh, you couldn't really socialize that much with your co-workers because, you know, they could be your kind of you know rival and um it's not so much a team sport or you know banking as, as someone would think so that's why um, i think the transition from thinking as an individual to thinking more in terms of a team player is very helpful for bankers to make the transition if they want to become leaders you know later on their career but equally i think that applies for younger people so they can actually reach out and ask for help when they need it instead of sitting quiet and waiting for things to sort of happen for them. So Katja, what would be useful for my context? What actually is EQ, emotional intelligence? I think in very sort of simple terms, from my opinion, this is really ability to recognize one and then understand and use your own emotions in a proper way, as well as understand those around you. This is not about only about you, it's also about being able to connect with your colleagues when they say one thing, what do they really mean? Um, being able to recognize things like, you know, tone of the voice, body language. So it's really kind of reading between lines that no one teaches at school. Yeah. You can consider it being sort of street smart. Um, there are no courses on it that I know of, but I believe this is something that is irreplaceable. It's gold because, you know, when you think about it, when you're in banking or in any other industry, technical skills can be learned and you're becoming much more disposable if this is all you've got. So you have to think broader, what else, you know, once I know how to do certain valuations, especially in investment banking, you're on a sell side. So you have to be able to connect with your client on a deeper level than just valuation and just numbers. And this is, in my opinion, what is what makes sort of great bankers versus just bankers that make it to a certain point and then they feel like they hit the wall. Yeah.
So with your work as a as a coach, obviously you've mentioned you work with people to help them get on in their careers. They've also been in industry for a while, potentially the people you're working with. How valuable would you see emotional intelligence right at the start of a career compared to maybe you're, you're exploring it maybe deeper into someone's career later on? it's you know the earlier you start like with anything the better it is i think you know now i I wouldn't lie to you of course technical skills are very very important but if you forget about that sort of human aspect you might be left behind you know endless hours working you know at your desk and expecting certain results because you've put the hours in versus maybe you have your colleague that does the same thing maybe not as good as you do but is able to connect with their colleagues on a different level and I find that people find it sort of unfair because you know but is it really unfair maybe they've put enough time to develop those relationships to have those conversations to have those coffees to listen to what people really say so I see on a sort of more junior level this bitterness when it comes to someone being promoted over, you know, being just more chatty or more willing to network. And those that only rely on the technical skills are feeling a little bit left behind. And then when you go all the way up to managing directors, it becomes you essentially are not evaluated based on your technical experience, but very much on ability to build and maintain strong relationships with your clients. Mm. And that only comes from your emotional intelligence, from your ability to build connections, from your ability to read people when they need it, by when, and is it the right time to push them or is it the right time to sort of hold back? And it's a very sort of a gray area, but... It, my opinion, at the higher level, it is all they got. You know, <laughs> that's just what sells them. So, so Kasia, you it, it sounds like you're saying that f- for many new joiners to investment banking, they think the route to success is to be smart. If I just know more than the next guy will get on. But what you seem to be suggesting is that actually the key to your development promotion is to be street smart and not just to be smart, to get on through people rather than to get on through knowing stuff. Is that right? I think... The technical part is a must. You have to have it at least at the cert. You have to reach a certain level. After a certain level, it's not as important. And I, I see a lot of people just overdoing courses, trying to get even better technically because they feel maybe they are not as good as interpersonal skills. I, I, yes, that's what I'm saying is that young people should not just sit and wait for that skill to develop itself. It has to start early on and it can, you know, we can discuss later on what sort of ways you could do it. But yeah, you cannot just rely on your technical skills because then you do not set yourself apart and you just become 
one of many and in order to get promoted you need to have some extra skills some extra ability to is going to make your boss say you know what john or samantha have this sort of extra ability to develop long-term relationship and trust with clients and this is what we look for in our sort of younger staff to develop over the years because in the end of the day look you need to bring revenues right and you need to build those relationships and if you're not able to build relationships you're not able to bring revenues and at that point you know then you are just a number You've raised a really valid point there, Kesha. And I know a lot of the time what we find with a lot of the training that we do, people don't see the connection between their behavior and the numbers. In the recruitment process, how, how much do you feel like the emotional intelligence side of is, is looked at in the recruitment and the onboarding process? At the early stage, they still look at your technical skills, but when imagine when you have to recruit, like interview 20 or 30 candidates and they're all equally good with technical yep. skills, where do you set yourself apart? Where, how you make yourself memorable? How they're going to remember you out of you know other 50 candidates? So when I work with my clients or my advice to sort of younger generation is, look, answer all the questions they ask in terms of technical skills, but always look for this sort of this breaking point where you can make a small talk, ask about how they're doing, how is their work going. It's just that, you know, I will remember that person if they ask me how you're doing, you know, how all about sort of asking about the emotions. How does it feel to be here? You know, what have you learned? Are you happy here? Like those questions never get asked, right? But these emotions really are embedded in us and make us remember things for much longer than just pure technical answers that they hear every single day. And of course, they want to know that you can answer those questions. But believe me, if you can make your answer more personal and you can relate you know, to to the person that you interview with. If you are connected with the same school, if you've played the same sport, or somehow you find out that you've been in Bali in the last sort of year, uh, that conversation takes another turn. And this is what makes you more memorable, in my opinion. So, Kasia, thank you. I, I mean, it's... Your your insights are very profound. If you were to be talking, for instance, to an HR professional or somebody who was designing an early careers program, what would be your positioning to make sure that EQ, emotional intelligence, holds its own, if not a more significant part than IQ, intelligence quotient, you know, just building up your technical knowledge? I think the most important thing is to make our leaders, people on top, more aware of it so they can actually share those skills with younger people. I think it's a ripple effect when leaders are able to communicate and explain how emotional intelligence they use in the day-to-day and how it can transform their career. I think the HR is not going to have it has to stay it has to start on top 
the leaders have to be able to communicate it with the younger generations. If it's not done there, I don't think there is a program. I don't think it has to be very life. It has to be real life experience. When the deal happens, it would be great if the leaders could share, well, this is what happened. This is how the client reacted. This is why I didn't react this way. Although I feel, let's say, frustrated, I need to handle the client in this and this way. And unfortunately, up until now, financial industries, this is quite still male dominated, uh, has been kind of guarded, you know, or not revealing those feelings as much as they should. I think if we embrace sharing how we feel and why we've done what we've done, things are going to be just so much easier to relate to and then replicate um, you know, going forward. So I think when HR thinks about it, like that program, that thinking has to start on top. That's all for today's episode of MDA Insights. At MDA Training, we take a unique approach to training and development. We don't just focus on the theory, we focus on real-world application We work with our clients to understand their specific needs and design experiential training solutions. But it's not just about the training. We work with our clients to help them achieve measurable results and create real behavior change in the workplace.